Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Howdy, howdy, everyone. How are we doing today? I hope you all are having an amazing day wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And as always, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen to our podcast today. So I hope this message finds you well and happy. First off, before we get into the interview today, I would like to give a shout out to Onyx Maps. I love Onyx. I love being able to pick up my phone wherever I'm at and opening the app and being able to scout from my phone. I have learned a lot about elk and deer and turkeys and bear and their habitat through Onyx and by going on and just looking around, checking out the way, checking out the, excuse me, the topo lines, the water sources, north facing slopes, south facing slopes, being able to go on there. Onyx has a lot of information on there with private la- uh, land lines. Sorry, this morning I am a little jumbly. <laughs> uh, private land and water sources and BLM and hiking trails and four-wheeler trails and so much goodness on there that you can go and check it out, find your areas that you're looking to hunt. All the other great features such as your waypoints, being able to add photos to those waypoints, sharing those waypoints with your friends and family. It's a great resource to use as hunters and when I go out and run and explore, I also use the tracking tool on there so I can see how far I've gone. And then that track is saved to my phone so I can re- go back and check it out. So Onyx is great. They have several different memberships you can do. I personally use the Elite because I am in the field all the time and I like having that full access to it. So if you're looking for something that's going to help you get out, give you that little extra confidence, Onyx Maps is the way to go. Also, I would love to give a shout out to Vortex Optics. Vortex is one of my favorite companies out there for glass. So a lot of times we refer to glass as our binoculars, our rangefinder, spotting scope, or your scope for your rifle. So I actually have a spotting scope, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be on its way here soon. I use their binoculars. I love them. And they have a lifetime guarantee. If anything happens to your gear, you can send it back and they will replace it for free, which is amazing. We can't afford to be buying a new pair of binoculars every other year. Their range finders are awesome. They are on a little bit of a back order with all their gear due to this crazy COVIDness. And so if you are looking to upgrade or if you are looking to purchase something for the first time from Vortex, I would recommend doing that now. So that way you have it before hunting season gets here. All right. We are ready for our interview today. I am going to be interviewing a good friend of mine from afar. His name is Justin, and he actually works with Vortex Optics. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode today. Have a great one. 
Hey everybody, how we doing today? I have a friend of mine, his name is Justin with us today. Justin works with Vortex Optics and Justin, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself so they have an idea yeah. of who they're listening to today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, uh, or like she said, um, I work at Vortex Optics. I actually met up with uh, Drea, uh, when was it, last fall? Yeah, during archery season. Yeah, so it was just pretty crazy. I kind of rolled into their like their like little camp area, uh, but we hit it off pretty good. Yeah. Um, I but, will admit, uh, I was a little bit frustrated at first. <laughs> I don't blame you. We got we were uh, on the road for like twenty plus hours. We rolled into the camp. We're like, we probably debated for a good five ten minutes whether we should set up camp here or not. <laughs> It was a solid um, spot, and I, I'm glad you guys did because we were able to get to know each other and hang out. And anyways, yeah, I'll let absolutely. you tell the story on that one. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was great because um, you guys were actually out hunting. You guys came back, and it's always kind of nice when you know you're hunting, you know, in the close proximity with others. Um, to kind of get like a game plan, like, Hey, um, I know it's kind of frustrating because you're like, Hey, this is quote unquote, my area type of thing. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> especially, you know, it's, um, as long as you guys have hunted it, but I think you guys rolled in back to camp and we kind of talked about where you guys were going to hunt the next morning and mm -hmm. things like that. So we wouldn't be on top of each other, what drainages you guys were going to be kind of focusing on. So where we could kind of at least get out of your way a little bit, um, and try to work around one another. Um, but, um, it went actually fairly well. Um, I think both parties had luck. So that was, that was good to hear. Um, it was I a think great actually, week of season, phenomenal <laughs> yeah. week of season. Yeah. I think that one week, three bowls were taken between our two parties. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think, yeah, you kind of moved, uh, to a little bit different location to harvest years. Mm -hmm. Um, but, <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was those, great. those few days leading into when you guys got there, elk were running through camp right at dark. My friend Logan, <laughs> he went to walk the dogs from camp. We got back and he just went to run the dogs real quick to get some energy out of them. And he actually bumped into a herd of elk. It was this monster bull that we've been, we were trying so hard. We were trying to figure him out and he would basically come down to the fields, down into the private at night, just at dark. And wouldn't show himself until then and he would scream as he was running past camp and then they would <laughs> they would party in the bottom all night and then go back up the next day and he would always respond to our calls that morning but we could just never get him pulled in um we learned a lot with with that whole situation with that bull on what we would do differently but um it was awesome that you guys were able to get yourself an elk didn't you say your dad and yourself had hunted that area years past Yes. Um, it's been 17 years since we've, <clears throat> excuse me, about 17 years since we first started going to that area. Um, granted, kind of being from Wisconsin, we don't get out there every year like I wish we would, but 17 years off and on uh, going back to that same area and um, got to know it pretty, pretty well. So, and Did your um, dad and yourself hunt that wallow that you killed that bull at or... So, <laughs> kind of funny story, that almost the exact same thing happened uh years prior uh we never got that bull um came back to full draw on him but never got him it was the same wallow um basically the same it was an evening hunt uh they weren't bugling um just kind of set up on a like a 
almost kind of like a travel corridor because kind of kind of like you said that other bull kind of um fed his or worked his way down into the private Mm -hmm. at night and that's kind of what we noticed in years past so i just tried to got or excuse me get in between um i guess they're bedding in that dark timber and then those private fields down in the bottom um and the wallow really wasn't that active this year or excuse me last year but um just kind of did a little you know cow calls here and there just you know very light um and just like in the years past, um, showed up quiet, never bugled or anything like that, uh, and came in. And it was almost the exact same setup, except the outcome this year uh, was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in was, one shot, right? You got crazy. it done with one arrow. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, probably did myself a little bit of disservice because that bow um, was brand new setup. And I was actually still sighting it in the night before I came out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, one arrow um, got a complete pass through, and he only went about 40, 40 yards. So, and it was a great location. Uh, you actually helped us pack him out. So, yeah, that was quite the adventure. That was fun. A little late, <laughs> late night pack out, followed by some yeah, late night yeah. celebrating and getting to know each other a little bit at, at hunt yeah. camp. Yeah. Um, but for again, all the listeners. Uh, Definitely, if you've been in Area 17 years, things do look a little bit different in the dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, so you grew up in Wisconsin. Yes, I yeah. uh, grew up in Wisconsin. Um, went to college here, uh, Stevens Point. Kind of wanted to get into uh, wildlife biology and things like that. So long story short, that didn't work out. Um, and I actually joined the military. Um, and I was actually stationed out in Colorado. Um, Fort Carson there in Colorado Springs. And um, I kind of was thinking, hey, Colorado, I mean, I'm going to be able to hunt every year. Uh, It's going to be great. Um, I've been out there. uh, I spent eight years out in Colorado. And the entire time I was stationed out there, I got to go hunting like two days. Wow. (laughs) So definitely not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, it turned out really good. I don't, you know, uh, definitely regret joining the military, regret getting out. And that's actually how, um, it kind of led me full circle to back here at Vortex. Um, yeah, share that uh, story if you don't mind the whole no, absolutely. transition um, to that and how you found Vortex and kind of what you're doing there now. So, um, when I was stationed out in Colorado, I was with uh, 10 special forces group out of Fort Carson in the Springs and we had a, a mutual friend. I was going back to, to Wisconsin, uh, and that's actually where Vortex is based out of, uh, southwest Wisconsin. And we, I had a mutual friend. Um, he's like, hey, while you're back, you know, check out, again, uh, Vortex. Uh, this is my buddy. kind of works there. Um, so, I mean, I was back, and of course, uh, kind of doing what I did. I was a sniper in the group. So, um, clearly, you know, optics kind of interested me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I met up with our, uh, we had a mutual friend here at Vortex, um, and, uh, met up with him. He kind of gave me a tour and everything like that. We hit it off, um, immediately. Um, you know, kind of the same, same interests, same hobbies, uh, the same love, um, you know, kind of for, uh, everything, um, optics, outdoor related, um, and we just kind of stayed in touch. Um, I told him uh, I was be get, I was getting out of the military for um, in about six months, and he said, "Hey, again, uh, come back. We'd love to have you, uh, you know, kind of walk around and do stuff." Um, so I actually started contracting uh, off and on with Vortex a little bit, um, 
kind of uh, doing some training events and things like that. Uh, and that led to a uh, job offer here full time. In Wisconsin. Um, so I, yep. Nice. Um, and that actually, uh, right before I um, moved back, Vortex actually moved their headquarters from like the Madison area mm-hmm. to a smaller, more rural <laughs> setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the town we're in right now, Barneveld, it's less than like 2,000 people, right around 2,000 people. So, I mean, it's a pretty small rural town. Um, the uh, actual headquarters here butts up to a nature conservancy. Oh, cool. So we have hundreds of acres. Um, so, uh, and you guys obviously, really nice. you, do you guys use that, utilize that we, land? We, we do. We do mm-hmm. utilize it. Um, and it's actually really nice because up in the showroom, right out the front windows, you can test all the optics out and you have that natural conservancy to actually, you know, um, utilize a product with, um, instead of, you know, looking at a parking lot or across the street into somebody's window. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but so, um, it's really nice having, uh, that nature conservancy in that rural setting, um, kind of what, uh, the views um, Vortex kind of has. It, it's kind of nice kind of being in that role setting. Exactly, um, yeah. But um, like I said, uh, I work here full-time now. Um, I'm actually one of the firearms instructors here at Vortex. Uh, we just actually launched uh, Vortex Edge. Um, I think, was it yesterday? The first, uh, excuse me, the first, uh, nope, definitely not the first. It was a couple days ago. Um, so Vortex Edge would be, I guess, uh, Vortex Optics um, training division, if you will. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So Vortex Edge, um, again, uh, Edge does not stand for anything, by the way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but right now we have uh, four full-time instructors down here and uh, multiple classes. So again, it's our kind of our uh, training academy, if you will, Um a lot of other uh, companies out there kind of have theirs. Uh, like there's SIG Academy that's very well known. So, um, and so again, uh, Vortex Edge, um, we have classes, uh, open enrollment classes. Um, we want to make sure that everything we have to offer here, um, it's available to everyone. Cool. So we have everything from precision rifle, carbine, pistol. Um, we do have a couple hunting uh, courses we offer here. Um, we ran a couple last fall, um, kind of as a trial run. They went great. Uh, had a lot of solid feedback from them as well. So, cool. So that's just open to the public. If someone's wanting to learn more, you know, about hunting or optics, they can sign up with you guys, and that's your that's what you do is you teach them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all of our instructors here have some sort of uh, background, whether um, military, law enforcement, uh, competition. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some of us have a maybe um, a little bit more like subject matter experts, whether mm-hmm. it's long range or pistol and things like that. So again, my forte would kind of be that long range type of um, training. Um, but that being said, we kind of cover down on uh, like the whole gamut. Mm-hmm. Um, people can sign up online now um, for our classes. Uh, again, it just uh, went live a couple days ago. So <laughs> we're still, if there's any bugs, um, you know, again, just trying to get that, uh, very fluid. Yeah. Trying to figure um, out the whole system with that. Absolutely. So we've been running classes for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> the reason we didn't have a, 
a website up where people could actually sign up for classes was again, we just wanted to make sure we have a solid product waiting the door, whether it's mm-hmm. a pair of, uh, you know, binoculars, a scope, spotting scope. We feel like someone coming to a class and getting some training, that's again, that's a product leaving the door. So we just mm-hmm. want a solid product. Yeah. So, so we wanted to make sure, um, once we did go live with everything, uh, all the kinks were worked out. So we didn't have to kind of figure things out, um, you know, with, uh, classes and things like that, that people actually signed up for. So fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. That's really cool. Uh, That's obviously, you said that's new, and that launched just recently. Yes, a couple days ago, actually. So um, it's on the website now. There's a link. Through the Vortex Optics homepage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I feel like something like optics could be pretty confusing for especially a new hunter to be like, well, what's the difference between this, like scope or this scope or this pair of binoculars or this rangefinder? And so I think it's Absolutely. great that people can come in there. And I've really come to realize in the last few years mm-hmm. how, how important it is to know your gear and what you're using and making sure you have a setup that's right for you. Cause we're all, we're all different. Our eyes are different. Our body types are different, our style, everything. And so it is a very personal setup for each individual, each hunter. So that's cool that they can come in there and test things out and see what works for them. Learn a lot along the way. Absolutely. And like the showroom's great because you can actually, you know, (laughs) look at the optics, kind of mull them over, kind of decide what you like in an optic um and but again coming down here to the range you can actually put it you know to use Mm -hmm. so and utilize it um but like you said just knowing your equipment inside and out um that's just going to increase your capabilities Mm -hmm. um for example like with some of those uh long-range scopes there's a lot of stuff going inside those reticles (laughs) um so but knowing what you can you know utilize that optic for it's it goes a long way knowing your gear inside and out Mm -hmm. so is there like a setup? Is there any recommended gear? So let's go, let's start with a beginner hunter. Yeah. What would you recommend for a new time hunter? Maybe they've just gotten into it in the last couple of years. What is a good setup for them? Um, that's going to, obviously your guys' equipment is amazing and it works great. Um, but what is like a good average setup for a new time hunter? So the way we run our optics, um, I'll just talk. Uh, specifically about uh, like rifle scopes Mm -hmm. um, for right now. Um, And it kind of goes across the board too. But the way it's kind of set up is we have different quote-unquote tiers, if you will. So like it might be like a crossfire, um, and then from up from a crossfire might be the diamondback, um, up to the viper, and then uh, from the viper you'd have your uh, razor. Um, And I guess the uh, razor would be considered like the top-tier optic. Mm -hmm. So uh, one thing nice about Vortex is we have... optics for basically every price point kind of entry level and that more advanced top gear stuff mm-hmm. um so it's going to kind of dictate um what an individual would be looking for um granted uh someone looking for a rifle scope here in wisconsin uh might have a different um obviously setup than someone say out in colorado wyoming in the west 
where your shots are going to be a little bit further. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more wide open. Mm -hmm. um, magnification would come in huge then. Um, so, for example, here, someone would be like, okay, well, maybe I just want the diamond back like three to nine power or something like that versus, um, you know, kind of going out there. You'd be like, okay, well, maybe I want, you know, maybe uh, a Viper or something like that. And I'm going to have a little bit more magnification, maybe six and a half to 20 or, you know, four to 16 even for magnification. And out there in the West, you know, further shots are not uncommon. Mm -hmm. So, but... <clears throat> So I would say, um, for example, here in the, I would say east of Mississippi, um, like a diamondback tactical, I'd, excuse me, a diamondback scope um, is going to be your, probably your best bang for your buck. Um, just the uh, the quality of the glass, uh, the price point, the really solid product. Mm -hmm. uh, and then for hunting here, you're going to have a lot more thick timber and things like that. Um, so our diamondbacks are, are, are solid. Mm -hmm. um, so you can have like a three to nine power because here your shots, <laughs> you know, might be 25 yards away. And if your lowest magnification only goes down to six power, um, you're going to pull up and all you're going to see is brown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> brown is down. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But here, I mean, a solid product, uh, best bang for your buck might be like, uh, like a diamond back three to nine, three and a half to 10, mm -hmm. something along those lines, um, is where out West you might be, um, looking more in that uh four to 12 or even like i said four to 16 power in the viper um mm -hmm. and uh there's a common misconception uh i believe across the board whether it's law enforcement or general public thinking more magnification is better um optics they don't help you shoot better they help you see better mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. so but again that being said i mean the highest magnification, you don't really need 20 power if you're shooting, you know, 800 yards. Yes, it, it's nice, but but at the same time, um, maybe you could use the uh, extra cost that would go in that higher magnification to to something else. Maybe a little bit more bells and whistles on uh, better quality glass, uh, maybe a different turret system or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like there's a common misconception out there that highest magnification is, is the way to go. Sometimes you want more field of view mm -hmm. um, so you can maintain that situational awareness. Correct. Yeah. So this last year, this last summer, I spent a lot of time uh, behind the spotting scope where we where we hunted, where you and I met. So you have that big valley in the bottom. And, Absolutely. Which is private. You can glass and, a long ways yeah, from there. <laughs> it was so much fun. My friend and I, we just spent hours in the morning and the evening, even sometimes in the middle of the day, we would see elk traveling through to go get water. And I've never owned a spotting scope mm -hmm. and I, I need to get one. We're, <laughs> we've been talking about that for a while, but I'm really yes. excited to have one for this next year to be able to, I find it's really useful for scouting to be able to set up and you have all this country in front of you. And instead of sitting there and trying to look through your binoculars, oh, I think that's an elk out there, that little spot to be able to zoom in <laughs> and you set up the, the, the phone scope, which is great. And you have that right on your screen and you're able to decipher whether it's a five by five or a spike or a cow or <laughs> last, <Absolutely>. last year <laughs> we were, we were glassing and I'm looking out and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is that? It's this big bright spot going through this meadow and I thought it was an elk, you know, just a really blonde white elk running through the meadow and so my friend Logan throws up his spotting scope 
And it turns out it was a, a moose. It was a bull moose. His paddles were so big. <laughs> his paddles were so big that I thought his paddles were the elk. But it was. Well, it's a, crazy. Yeah. Like that area, mm-hmm. even from when I first started hunting it, like I said, 17 years ago, um, never saw a moose then. But it seems like every time I've been out there for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. almost see more moose than elk. <laughs> yeah. It's, it really goes to show the whole, um, the whole draw system and applying for a unit. And there's a reason why certain units only allow a certain amount of tags and it takes a certain amount of points to get drawn for that unit. Because this area that we're hunting, when we first started hunting there uh, six years ago, like we saw a moose here and there. This year, I pretty much saw a moose every single day. It's crazy. crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I went out in 2017 in that area. One day I saw three different bull moose. Yeah. So, um, but kind of going back to what you were saying, um, we, I think that night, uh, we were glassing elk right from camp mm-hmm. last fall and we were glassing, I think we, um, I had the rangefinder out there and we were glassing, I think about almost 3000 yards, mm-hmm. um, for that one herd. Um, but like you said, it's a great scouting tool. Um, cause yes, uh, we were glassing straight from camp, even on to private, but that public across the valley. Um, pattering those elk even in season mm-hmm. um, uh, we were glassing uh, like I said across that valley and then there was those couple herds that you spotted and being able to kind of pattern them or find out what drainage they're actually headed into because mm-hmm. um, there was a herd of about over like a hundred and that herd I think split up into maybe three four different groups I can't remember yeah that was insane oh. watching them like oh there's another bull <laughs> this one's huge. He must be the herd bull. And then another bull shows up. <laughs> That's where I'm hunting next year is right on that line. It's going to suck. Absolutely. It's going to be a physical, one of the most physically demanding things I've ever done, especially if we shoot one to pack it out. But oh, like I was telling you the, uh, um, couple, several years ago before, um, excuse me, before, um, I actually moved back to Wisconsin, I was still out there. Um, I just got out of the military, but I was able to, like I said, go out and that line that you're talking about, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you have to hunt from the top down the yep. way, uh, the, the boundary lines kind of lay. Yeah. And I shot one with my muzzle loader. Um, and I had to pack it all the way back up, <laughs> um, by myself. And it took, it, it took a while to get him out of there. Yeah, how, um, did it take you a couple days or a full day? It took day? me two and a half, two and a half days to get them out. And your meat stayed so, good. Uh, it did. Yeah. Um, I was able to actually hang it up in the shade, um, kind of in this uh, um, big kind of uh, drainage. I found some dark timber to hang it up in there, so it kind of stayed cool. Yeah. Um, which is kind of paramount because when we were out there, it would get up to what seventy degrees in the middle of the day. Yeah, pretty warm. Um, it it got warm. So, like you said, I mean. Uh, they would spawn a little bit in the morning and then, you know, the heat of the day, they would hit in the dark timber and they would just kind of, they would just be quiet. So, but, um, that's where Onyx for me, um, was huge. Um, uh, just because, uh, hunting that close to, you know, private lines, like, you need to know where you're at. Exactly. So, you want to make sure you're not trespassing and they patrol it pretty well over there. Oh, I would imagine. If you're trespassing, you're you're going to get caught. <laughs> there was actually, my dad and I, we were in there oh, what, early summer. We were just doing some scouting on that far side. So the opposite side of the valley where we were hunting. And um, the park ranger there had said 
some guy came in and shot an elk, poached an elk, and they, he was called in right away. And they came and they took away the elk, and obviously he got his consequences for that. But Well, it's it just kind of puts a bad name, like, on public land hunters and everything mm-hmm. it's 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 everybody's to kind of go and enjoy and utilize yes. but at the same time you kind of have to respect it um because mm-hmm. that specific valley um elk the elk aren't dumb they know exactly <laughs> um you know where that private land lies because yeah. you know you can be down there and you can have those bulls like you said they go down to the private um they feel comfortable down there mm-hmm. um and you can go you know we saw that uh herd it was what almost Almost noon, they were actually coming uh, out of private, back yeah. up into the dark timber to bed, and they felt comfortable being down there that late in the day. So, I learned a lot this year spending so much time out there because I went out there to turkey hunt and just I wanted to see what the elk were doing. It was like, okay, once shed season opens May first, I can look around for some sheds. You know, maybe these elk are moving back up through, and stumbled upon a calf elk right behind camp. And everything clicked. I was like, this is why there is such a good elk population up here is because they have all this private land in the bottom where these elk are able to have their calves and they're they're sort of safe, right? They're in this area where they're not getting hunted. They're not getting this public pressure from hikers coming through. They have people patrolling it. So you're not, I mean, yes, you're going to get the bears, and the mountain lions and the, the natural predators that come through there. Um, but to have this big valley of private land for these elk, basically starting in the spring all the way through the summer and through fall, through the rut, for it's like their safe zone. And Absolutely. It, it really clicked with me. I'm like, okay, this all makes sense. Like private land, yes, as hunters, we kind of... <laughs> have an issue with all the private land and especially in Colorado, there's just so much private land that landlocks national forest. But like I said, this year I'm going to go in there and it's going to suck, but I want to get right on that private land and national forest borderline and hunt that because the average human being is not going to bring themselves in there and do that because they don't want to pack it out. Like I tried to get my, my dad and my sisters last year to do it. And I actually had my sister convinced. She's like, okay, let's do it. It'll be like a three day trip. And then the next day I shot my elk and we were, we were done. But. <laughs> yeah. Luckily you didn't have to yeah. um, doing it myself. Even now I'm like, ah, man, it was worth it. But at the same time, uh, I might second guess it before I go back down it. Yeah, I feel like um, for me, it's just like I want to do it and experience it. And then maybe once it's done, I'm like, okay, I'm good. I don't have to ever do that again. <laughs> or I'm going to want to do that every single year now. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll see. Well, so. just, I mean, like you said, last year you glassed over like a hundred head just coming up mm-hmm. through that same area that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the area that we were hunting, it's it's a heavily hunted unit. Mm-hmm. Um so just trying to find those pockets um, for like you guys, you guys have been out there, you know, six, eight years getting to know that area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's heavily hunted. There's a lot of outfitters in the area, um, but just trying to, like you said, getting them patterned. Um, and again, the patterns, you know, they can change, you know, based on the time of year, mm-hmm. uh, pressure and things like that. But, but still, uh, it's pretty crucial, especially um, honestly, that area, I never really would have thought to bring a spotting scope um, just because it, you know, once you're in 
it's it is kind of thick. There's not a whole lot of like spot and stock type mm-hmm. of opportunities out mm-hmm. there. Um, they, there can be, but I never really would have thought about it until this past year. I just brought it along because I was kind of testing some new product back. Mm-hmm. So, um, but after that one experience last fall, I'm definitely going to bring a spotter from now on. Yeah, it's really nice when you have that other side that you can, because both sides of the valley are huntable. And if you aren't getting into the elk on one side, you know, you glass the other side and you can make a game plan for the other this is kind of seems to be a common discussion that I have with a lot of archery hunters is, oh, I don't need a spotting scope because I'm archery hunting. I'm going to be up close to them anyway. So, you know, I'm going to be within 40 yards. I should be able to tell how big they are. You know, they're going to be responding back to our calls. We'll just call them right in. There's no need for a spotting scope. And I kind of had that mentality leading up to these last couple years, especially this last year. In summertime, I would drive up to one side of the valley and I would just glass for the last three hours. And I had these elk patterned, patterned enough that I was able, my sister was able to shoot one of those bulls on opening morning because I had been watching them and they had the same pattern all summer long. They would come out in these certain areas. I wasn't in there running around, setting up trail cameras, spreading my scent. I was miles and miles away watching them through a spotting scope. And I had a little notebook and I had the dates and <laughs> what elk would come out and what they were doing, whether it was a bull or a cow, the time of day. And it really, I learned a lot. It was really cool to just watch them from afar and all right, it's 425 and 10 minutes. They're going to come out. <laughs> well, it paid off. I think yeah. I, uh, she took what a, a six by my sister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Opening. Well, it was, it was a nice bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it, all that work paid off and not, like you said, not being in there, not putting pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it goes a long way. It really does. What would be, so also a lot of people talk to me about spotting scopes and if you're doing like a backcountry hunt, a lot of people don't want to bring a spotting scope in because of the weight. So Absolutely. That obviously is a factor in if you're doing a backcountry hunt. So like last year, first week of archery season, the reason why I didn't shoot that bull and my sister did was I was hunting. I was actually wasn't hunting. I was just tagging along with my friend. He had a high country mule deer tag and he brought his spotting scope and it was great to have up there. But he has, I think, I'm not sure which one it is, but it's right in the middle where it's not too heavy, uh, not too light. So maybe Justin, if you can talk a little bit about if a person is planning to do some backcountry hunts and they're, they're having to hike in with all their camping gear, you know, what would be the recommended spotting scope or optics for them to bring into that where they're not compromising all their weight with their spotting scope and all their gear. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. 
Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Absolutely. So we actually have an optic. Um, it is a razor. Um, so like I was talking about earlier, the razors um, can have that higher quality glass and, and things like that. Um, but it is, a uh, like you said, a spotting scope, nice, small, um, compact package. And it's about a pound and a half Okay. Uh, for a spotting scope. Um, so for a spotting scope, pound and a half, it's, it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, you're going to kind of sacrifice a few other things, um, but uh, power, I believe, is 11 uh, to 33 uh, for magnification and power-wise. Um, but it's going to have a bigger objective, a uh, smaller objective than most other uh, spotting scopes out there, whether it's a 65 or like 85. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be, uh, I believe, 11 to 33. Um, it's going to have that 50 for the objective and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um for the objective lens, it's 50 millimeters, but again, um, 33 power for magnification uh, with solid quality glass. You're going to be able to glass further and identify features, elk, uh, you know, bowls and things like that, um, and actually get that positive identification uh, with less magnification with higher quality glass. Mm-hmm. So. That being said, um, a great option for someone who's backpacking and is very weight conscious, uh, that Razor HD um, would be a solid option. Like I said, it's a pound and a half, uh, you know, give or take, just the optic itself. Yes, you need the tripod and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, uh, that's going to give you a lot more magnification than, you know, your 10 power, you know, binos. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like you said, maybe identify something with your binoculars, then get the spotting scope on it, um, and then you'd be able to kind of, you know, pick it out a little bit easier in detail with that uh, higher magnification. So, um, having a spotting scope that's about a pound and a half is pretty solid. Does Vortex go to any of these, like, uh, archery events? Or, obviously, they probably have a booth at some of these expos, which right now with COVID, things are a little bit different uh, <laughs> yes, this was an interesting year for that. Yeah, so because you know it's nice for not everyone's not going to be able to travel out to Wisconsin to just go out and test out the optics. Are there any events in 2021 that you guys will be at where <clears throat> people might be able to swing through and get their hands on some glass and try and see what's right for them? Absolutely. Um, so we do have. Um, representation at all the bigger events mm-hmm. um such as like shot show and then uh the sheep show um things like that and i think the sheep was that one canceled this year because of covid i can't remember yeah it was uh they did like a live version that's that's mm-hmm. that's right yeah. um so we kind of had you know that um the live version uh this year which we did have representation at mm-hmm. um but those bigger events um such as like sheep show and things like that we do uh, go every year. Um, and, uh, for some of the listeners out there be like, well, sheep show. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, why would I even go? I can't afford any of that stuff. Um, but if you think about it, some of those events, um, 
you can get those raffles and your odds for getting a sheep tag at some of those like events are going to be greater than, you know, trying to, you know, build points after years mm -hmm. and years and have a small percentage of drawing. If you yeah. put in for one of those raffles, I mean, your chances are a little bit greater. I know several people who've actually went on sheep hunts just because of that raffle. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I just want people to kind of understand, yes, um, some of those, uh, booths and things like that can be a little bit pricey especially like sheep show and things like that just because mm -hmm. of the nature of the game but still um it's it's an affordable uh solid chance to have a decent opportunity um to get drawn in one of those raffles mm -hmm. it's also a good way to just go out and like i said if you guys have a booth there with optics to go out and test out some things you don't have to buy anything but to go out and kind of learn and to get the feel for what you're looking for I worked the sportsman show and the expo for three years with Bear Creek Outfitting that I guided for. And it was really okay. cool to just sit in a booth all day and people come through and the questions that they have for you and the stories that people tell and you tell, you really can learn a lot. And it's just a really cool environment to get out there. And um, Absolutely. Being around like-minded mm -hmm. like individuals, exactly. it's, it's, yeah. it is really I never really thought about it before, but um, even with hunting, it's like networking. Mm -hmm. Like before I kind of got into the industry um, and even like the listeners out there, like, what is he talking about networking? For example, like you, like our basically relationship right now, networking mm -hmm. itself, mm -hmm. getting out there, talking to individuals, um, never would be having this conversation with you right now. Um, one, if again, we didn't kind of uh, hit it off from, you know, uh, camp, you know, last fall. Mm -hmm. So, um, it goes a long way. Um, so, uh, again, help me pack out that elk, uh, learn a little bit more information. Uh, <laughs> even picking your brain last year, uh, I learned, a, I, like I said, I've been that area off and on for 17 years mm -hmm. talking to you for 10 minutes. It's like, wow, I learned more in the past 10 minutes than the past five years in this area. So, um, crazy, so it right? goes a it's, long way. It's yeah, crazy how it's, just putting yourself in certain situations in general, you can learn so much. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Getting outside like your comfort zone mm -hmm. and kind of putting yourself out there. Yeah. It goes a long way. What so. are some of your uh, hunts for 2021? So right planned? now, <laughs> um, so the way I kind of hunt, uh, the unit that we're in, um, or other units in Colorado is I'll still put in preference points, um, in Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, um, but for Colorado specifically, I always look at those leftover tags, mm -hmm. um, not the secondary draw, but the leftover tags. Um, so I'm one of those people who, you know, would wait in line, you know, at three o'clock in the morning until they went on sale or, mm -hmm. you know, nine o'clock I'm on the computer, like ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a great way to get those tags. So it can kind of vary. So my plan was one, I'm going to check out that, uh, leftover list when it comes out try to plan it from there mm -hmm. um and try to be a little bit more flexible uh, one thing i learned about hunting especially out west is the flexibility um <laughs> that you need to, you know to be successful um mm -hmm. but right now um i'm going to try and get get out there again um for for specifically archery mm -hmm. um so I plan on uh, going out to Colorado for archery for elk. Um, 
Wyoming, Montana, those other Western states. I'm still uh, working on building my points. Um, but as far as my Western hunts go right now, uh, I'm looking at probably antelope in Wyoming and elk in Colorado. And the antelope in Wyoming, is that just an over-the-counter or is that a draw unit? That's going to be a draw. Okay. So I believe I have six points. Um, but again, uh, I can't remember the deadline, so I might be behind the power curve already. <laughs> so uh, um one thing about hunting, you know, multiple states with different preference points, different application deadlines is you have to stay on top of it. Almost have like an Excel spreadsheet to kind exactly. of keep track of everything. It's a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I even have preference points here in Wisconsin. <laughs> so um, for black bear. So, um, and again, if I don't uh, get those tags, I'll be hunting over the counter. So whether uh, the Wyoming antelope, again, I can't remember when the deadline is. I might have missed it already. Um, but trying to keep track of, you know, deadlines for Montana, Wyoming, mm -hmm. Colorado. Um, but it'll be um, either a draw unit for uh, antelope in Wyoming or an over the counter. And for that, it'll be rifle. Gotcha. What, so, uh, what scope do you have on your rifle? So right now, um, my rifle, I have the, uh, LH, uh, or a lightweight hunter or light hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, they discontinued that and they came out with another, uh, optic. Uh, it's an LHT, um, lightweight hunter tactical and, um, both magnifications three to 15. So I can utilize it here in Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> and then also I have that higher magnification for out West mm -hmm. and, um, basically they discontinued my optic, um, and they came out with this updated version and that is like the razor line. So it's a little bit higher quality glass, but it's the LHT. Uh, so lightweight hunter tactical, very lightweight scope. Um, I know people, um, we were talking about lightweight, uh, spotting scopes for backpacking and things like that. Uh, that LHT, um, is, it's extremely light. Um, but you still have that higher quality glass and things. Mm -hmm. So that's what's on my current optic. And the, <laughs> I actually had some other optics from other um, manufacturers out there, different brands. Uh, and don't get me wrong, there's um, there's a lot of companies out there that make spot or great glass, great scopes, great spotting scopes. Mm -hmm. um, but again, working here at Vortex, it's I can't have a <laughs> you know like Zorsky, a, yeah, a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so sorry, boss. Um, right. So I'm like, all right. So I'll buy I'll buy this you know LA scope, and then the next year they they divert. And the updated version is, is the one I want, but I just can't afford it right now. Yeah. So, but that's kind of what I'm running right now. So, well, if you're in Colorado elk hunting and I get one down, I'll just give you a call and say, Hey, elk down. I'm on the other side. <laughs> well, that's what I was kind of hoping, like hoping for. Cause I remember, um, we broke down camp, uh, I think a day or two after I got my bowl, um, again, to get it back, get it processed, um, and get it in the freezer and everything. And I think the day after we left or this, I think it was the day we left, you actually, uh, you had one on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I think it was literally, you guys left on a Friday and I went into a different area on a Saturday with my family. That was like the easiest pack out a person could ever have. And I choose to believe that it's because I put in so much time this year and worked really hard. That day I actually left my bugle at camp. I didn't even turn on my Onyx that day. Didn't track anything. Didn't even bring my calls. I just tag really? tagged along as a hunter that day because 
the majority of the season hunting solo and hunting with my friends and some of the family would come out and whatnot. Like I was usually the caller. I was usually setting the pace for the day, constantly checking my onyx, right? Let's go here. Let's check this out. This is where the elk are, you know, leading the way. And don't get me wrong. I love doing that. Um, and that's why I've, I've been a guide for a few years, but it felt really good to just be like, Nope, not packing the bugle today. I'm not even going to look <laughs> at my kinda, onyx. I'm just going to tag along. And just kind of slow down, take mm-hmm. a step back. Yeah, exactly. Well, well it definitely mm-hmm. paid off. So, uh, I saw some of those uh, pictures you had from that hunt, and it was it looked incredible. Super incredible and super special day, you know, to be able to be with my family. And my dad, he's getting older. He's in his 60s, and I love the fact that he's still out there. And he's so positive and he's just the funniest guy and very encouraging. And he wants it just as bad as we do. He will hike his legs off and he'll get up early and he'll cross rivers. And there he was, sure enough, packing out an elk with us with a a full front (laughs) quarter on his back, biggest smile on his face. And that is, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much going into a hunt with camaraderie and everything else. Uh, yes, it's always nice to have one on the ground, but there's mm-hmm. so much more that goes into a hunt than just the harvesting the animal. Oh, absolutely. That's kind of what holds for me. That's the, the, the deepest bond that I have, like with my family is the honey. When you're out there and you're working as a team and the memories that you make and the ups and the downs, the emotional roller coaster. I started hunting with my dad when I was super young, probably seven years old and just wanted to go out and follow him around. And I remember I would walk behind him and I'd watch his feet and I would step in his tracks. Like, okay, (laughs) I got to copy everything dad does. And then as soon as I was old enough, took hunter safety, started hunting. And then all the older siblings started moving away. And my dad and I, we would just go out on our own adventures. And I learned so much from him. And then it just created this bond between him and I. That's, it's special. He'll always be my favorite hunting partner. Just because. It's, it's nice having that, that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember kind of like what you said, there was a hunt. I remember, you know, years ago and it was the last day and I worked so hard to try to get my dad uh, on a bowl. Mm-hmm. We, we saw, you know, a bunch of elk just never had an opportunity. And the last day he kind of looked at me and I was just dejected. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, you know, I feel terrible. You didn't get in and out. And that's when it kind of clicked when he's like, it's, it's not about that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, he's like, this is one of the greatest times I, I've had. So that's when it really kind of hit home for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so having a little girl of my own and then you being a female, mm-hmm. how, what would your advice be to try and get like a young, like my daughter, for example, interested in the sport? Mm-hmm. I feel like everything in life needs to be authentic and genuine. And so bringing her along with you to go, to go glass, obviously I don't have any kids, but like if I were to have a little girl, I want to present her with the opportunity and the option of you can do this, or if you don't want to do it, that's completely fine. But I think bringing her out, starting her young, you know, go out and glass with your binos and just spend that quality time with her. Uh, Clint actually did an episode just a couple episodes back with Melissa Bachman and she's got kiddos and she talks a lot about how they incorporate that with their kids. So maybe give that one a lesson 
obviously she's got kids and I don't. So her advice is no, I would just kind of ask you because in. again, yeah, um, because you had mm-hmm. you know, yeah, um, you had the the different um, I guess kind of take on it because you know it was your dad getting you interested in mm-hmm. the sport. Yeah. So he uh, what were some things that clicked for you when you were young, if you can remember that far back? <laughs> absolutely. I've always just been an outdoors girl. We grew up on 10 acres of land and all the land that surrounded our property, we were able to run around on. So I already had that going for me. But the fact that my dad was so patient and so willing to teach me. And then as soon as I got old enough, it was almost, he was like, all right, go on. I have to work. Like, you've got this very encouraging, very supportive. You know, there was, I always asked him questions, but he was always there to support. And there was a lot of times that I would be emotional and be down because it didn't go the way I wanted to, or I didn't get something. And he was always just very positive in that light. And did you ever feel pressured into doing it? Never felt pressured. It was always always just a natural thing. Like I was talking with my therapist yesterday and talking about how I would much rather go sit in the forest by myself than go hang out at a friend's house. <laughs> and like, you know, like okay, I, good. I have other always, out there yes, like <laughs> my connection to nature is it's my sanctuary. It's where I want to spend all of my time if I can being out there. And so for me, it was always just a natural thing. That's what I love to do. And you know, I'm in. A, I'm from a big family, and we are all hunters. Everyone, everyone in my family except for two. So I'm from a family of fourteen. And wow. Every, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everyone except for uh, two people hunt out of my family. So, um, we. That's just the lifestyle that we knew, and I've never known anything different. And my dad grew up the same way. He grew up in Minnesota, and he tells stories of going out at seven years old with his dad. And following him around in the woods and, you know, his dad would turn around and be like, shh, quiet, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's, just, it's a generational thing and it's it's in our blood and that's how it's always been. I've never felt that pressure, but, um, you know, it's interesting how just two of my sisters, they've never really had the desire to hunt and that's fine. There's no pressure on them and they're supportive of the rest of us that do and they think it's great. It's just something they've never gotten into. So that's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. It's been great. I have to go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Are you currently at work right now? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Working on the job. Cool. Absolutely. Well, Justin, it's been lovely for the listeners. One last time, if they're looking to, you know, get into some optics or they need some more information, what's a good resource for them to check out? Is there a website? Absolutely. Um, so, uh, vortexoptics.com. Uh, um, they can go on there again if they have any questions about optics in general. There's contact information on there, or if they have any classes about any uh, shooting courses that we offer, there's another, like I said, link on the, the homepage there, Vortex Edge. There's another um, contact information under there. Uh, one thing nice is everybody that answers those emails, answers those phone calls. They're here on site. Uh, they're very knowledgeable. You're not going to get somebody off site or anything like that. Um, so everybody's on the phones, on those emails. They're knowledgeable. They know the product. Um, and it's going to be someone here at Vortex um, on site. So 
um, you're going to get a solid answer. So from someone here at the company on site. That knows their stuff. Absolutely. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Justin, it's been a pleasure. We'll be in touch. Obviously, absolutely. I need to get that. I need to get that spotting scope from you. I keep saying, once I get those extra dollars, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I get that stimulus. Yeah, stimulus. Yeah, where's that stimulus? But <laughs> the other day, I realized, I'm like, I should probably buy a vacuum cleaner for my house. I have a dog. Priorities. Yeah, Priorities. Like, spotting oh. scope, vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Spotting scope. <laughs> do I live in a nest of dog hair, or do I buy a spotting scope? <laughs> so, all right. It's been lovely, man. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. You as well. All right. Thanks again. Yep. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.